I'm assuming we're live. It's saying, okay, here we go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Environmental Social Justice. Today we have Dr. Laureen Merroway. She is an expert in hydrogen, one of my favorite topics, our favorite topics. So your company, Alchemer, if I got that correctly pronunciated? That's you, correct. Thank you. Welcome to the show. We are so grateful to have you here. I know you're extremely busy. Um, one of the things to launch into is you are trying to make green hydrogen accessible to everybody in a large scale at a low cost. Could you just tell us about that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And thank you for the introduction. I'm incredibly excited to be able to talk about Alchemer and how we are democratizing green hydrogen at the speed and scale required. And so what does that mean? Yes. Uh, Today, green hydrogen is quite expensive, right? And for us to really hit those net zero targets by 2050, you need to have a solution that's at least comparable, if not cheaper than fossil fuels. Yeah. Now, why is it higher cost? There are multiple reasons. One though, is that the method of producing the hydrogen today, if you're able to couple it to renewable power, it ends up using all these precious metals and expensive materials. And so that really has an effect on the production cost. Now, when I say by democratizing, we have a solution that does not require these metals that result in supply chain risks, can couple to intermittent renewable power, and therefore truly can democratize green hydrogen. So um, you started, so I, I did a little bit of research on you. And as we said before we started, I did fangirl a little bit because you have so many, you have masters and a PhD engineering, mechanical engineering, civil engineering, so many Thank degrees. <laughs> um, from MIT, I mean, even though I, I'm a BU girl, exactly. I respect MIT. Um, what made you, you know, you've, you've studied this your whole life, because I, I checked your background. What made you think, hey, this needs to be accessible to everybody. We need to do this. And just launching Alchemer and getting this going. Great question. And by the way, I've seen you you folks on our campus, so you can't really talk badly about us. <laughs> uh, a little friendly rivalry is fine. A little friendly rivalry. A bit. We've got that going with Harvard. I can't handle another one. <laughs> we just do hockey. <laughs> yeah, so I think what really has driven me to dedicate my entire life to sustainable energy is uh, coming from immigrant parents. My family's from Lebanon. I've traveled parts of the world and have seen really the impact that energy poverty can have. And I think it's undeniable that climate change is only worsening global inequities, right? Yeah. The communities and the countries that contribute the least to emissions are getting impacted the most. Yeah. That's and so accurate. that's really what sparked this lifelong mission of having an impact on emissions. And sure. with green hydrogen, the the opportunities are endless. So oh, what do you see as some, I mean, we obviously know like hydrogen cars, we've talked a lot about that on this series about that, but what are some of the other uses that you can see for hydrogen? Uses? Absolutely, great question. Cars, definitely not the only one, <laughs> Joel. So there's of course the heavy duty trucking, which falls into the transportation sector as well as long distance aviation, right? Batteries cannot take you that far. And then there's these less thought about industries such as cement and steel production. There's uh -huh. fertilizer production. Fertilizer is made from ammonia. Ammonia is made from nitrogen and hydrogen. 
So that's another huge one. Oh, interesting. That is yeah. a Go ahead, Joy. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, especially there, right now, there's there's a lot, you know, everybody talks about the environmental protection agency effects uh, things, but there's also a uh, conservative uh, Department of Conservation um, type effects, uh, especially as you're, deal you're talking about gypsum plants, cement plants, uh, plants that, um, you know, are producing, you know, some of our stone and our clay and what that has to do with um, protecting our environment. And, you know, we, we've got the Salton Sea thing coming up where we're doing the, you know, mining of the Salton Sea uh, for lithium. You know, these are all great ideas, but in, in the long term, what do you think about, you know, how scarce, if we, if we start mining from all of these different various sources, what is the scarcity uh, going to look like if we don't do it the right way? It's as far such, as energy is concerned. Yeah, as it's such an important point to think about the entire value chain of how you're making your energy. Uh, for example, you know the lithium ordeal is a serious ordeal. Uh, there isn't enough lithium to for all of our cars. Right. As much as we want to say batteries are better than hydrogen for a passenger car, we need to solve the lithium component. And then the same thing goes with today's water electrolyzer. The technology is called proton exchange. That's that's the rival. We're called anion exchange. And the proton exchange is very popular today because it's compact. It can couple to renewable power sources. Uh, but it's got the same issue you're speaking of. There's not enough platinum or iridium in the world to, yes. to create a gig gigawatts of electrolyzers, which is what we need to really uh, produce the green hydrogen volumes that we're looking for. So it's absolutely important that you think about the value chain. And what's special about our technology is that we have never and will never touch a precious metal. So our device does not use any platinum, any iridium, and we're able to hit the performance targets without those metals. That's amazing. You know, one of the things we've talked about on the show repeatedly is energy diversification, meaning there is people that only support electrical, there's people that only support certain other forms. I believe we need a little bit of everything to mm -hmm. reach our goals. And talking about lithium that Joy brought up, um, I've had people argue with me saying there's plenty of lithium, there's plenty to go around. And I did some, you know, I'm not a mathematician, Lord knows I do not do math very well, but I did a simple calculation. I'm like, of the known lithium mining that we have or ores that are out there, we don't have enough for the gigawatts of energy to create this. And then we also, so we, so you're combating that, you are addressing that, which I love about you, that you were doing this. But then we have the next challenge of infrastructure. We yeah. don't have the infrastructure yet for hydrogen, for people, for especially for long haul transport. Um, are you guys planning on addressing that or working in that sector to help build out? Yes. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a complex value chain. Uh, there are many moving pieces to this puzzle of getting renewable power to hydrogen, hydrogen to consumer. And so it's not a one size fits all in terms of where is the electrolyzer. We are looking at projects in which the electrolyzer will have a dedicated renewable power plant and it sits there. And then the hydrogen is transported by truck to 
some other place. Then we have other projects where there's land right next to the consumer. And so therefore I can just put the electrolyzer there. The green hydrogen isn't transported, but in that term, you have to then have a grid connection, right? Yeah. So, so there's multiple moving pieces as to where it goes, but there's always a solution. Exactly. I mean, how hard is it though to build an infrastructure from the ground up? I mean, how well, hard it's is not that? necessarily. We've done it for natural up. gas. Let's do it again. Thank you. I was just about to say we have millions of miles of pipeline in the ground right now, transporting oil and gas. Just clean them out. I know it's a joke, but you know some people don't understand. You know that we're trying to talk to the to the populations that don't have an environmental background, and the pipes are there. Just swap out what's in them. At least that's my naive. Well, okay, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It's not as easy as just put the hydrogen in the natural gas pipe due to what's called hydrogen embrittlement. Uh, so the hydrogen attacks the the stainless steel that those pipes are made from. Um, you can put, I think they have done studies of up to 30% oh, okay. hydrogen. So it's not negligible, um, but for pure hydrogen, through the pipelines, we do need to get innovative and think of how else we can retrofit. Yeah. Or as Joel suggested, he writes us a check and we build all new hydrogen pipelines throughout the world. And that's happening actually. No, I mean, private equity groups are getting involved. There's quite a few now that are investing in our infrastructure because it needs to happen. Yes. Um, this and is not- there a huge, I mean, a, the infrastructure bill, right? Yep. Yeah. It's recognizing that the, at least in America, the infrastructure is really poor. Yeah, I mean, we, we neglected it for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Well, but what do we do politically? Like the, the political red tape for every source of energy um, is catastrophic, right? It's it's like, it's not good. It's not, it, it takes a long time to get it through, you know, the government processes, the EPA, you know, oil spills, like the oil spill that just happened here in <laughs> Huntington Beach, yeah. you know, hinder um, new growth of new technologies because then all of the politicians are gun shy uh, yeah. to put money behind that infrastructure. It just feels like we're like uh, rats on a wheel. Like we're just constantly spinning when it comes to actually getting out here and getting, um, you know, these technologies built. Uh, what are some of the things that you've kind of come across in, in, in pitching this uh, hydrogen revolution? While there are these bumps in the road, I 100% believe that green hydrogen will take off this time, right? We've gone through multiple previous cycles with the hydrogen pipe, but this is the time. Uh, human nature can really only adapt to one special thing, new thing in their mm -hmm. lives, right? There was solar PV, there was EV cars. And now I truly believe is the time for hydrogen. I agree. You can see it through all the policies just suddenly popping up like daisies out of the snow <laughs> around the world. And so I think that political leaders are recognizing that if we do not do something about the climate crisis, there will be trillions of dollars in damages and hydrogen is a solution. Let's yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up that point because I do believe that it is cyclical because if you look back over our history of humankind, 
shall we? The electric car had a start and it was killed off by, yes. if you watch the documentary, who killed the electric car, I highly recommend it. So it's, but it's like, you start seeing the generational shifts. And I feel like that this is what we're seeing now is the next group that's coming up, they're realizing one, they, a lot of them don't even get their driver's license anymore. So that's a whole nother issue, but they're actually focusing on environmental issues. And this, you know, Miami and all these different places that got the rising sea tides, it's everywhere. Everybody's really focusing on this now. And so the generational shift does give you the better opportunity, I think, for this next wave to come in. I mean, we, we did the electric thing that's been going on for about what, five to 10 years now. Solar was back in the eighties when it started. And so, I mean, these things just become normal. So yeah, I do believe you're right on the cusp of the, hopefully it actually going somewhere this time and being able to gain a strong foothold, which would be fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, another documentary at War with the Dinosaurs talks about um, how our government really invested in electric and not in hydrogen and kept cutting the hydrogen funding over the years. Um, really interesting documentary. They kind of go into the facts of that. But one thing I always like to bring up when people say, well, the infrastructure is not there. It's too hard to charge, you know, to fill up a hydrogen car. When automobiles first came out, gasoline automobiles, there were not any gas stations. You traveled with gas tanks strapped to the back of your car. You um, couldn't drive very far because I think you got four miles to the gallon. We adapted. We improved the technology. We're just doing it again with hydrogen. We're adapting. We're improving. People like Laureen, they're making this happen. Little little plug to the work that you guys are doing because it's, it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I agree. I would not be spending this much energy and time if I didn't think that was absolutely necessary and that what Alchemer is working on truly can completely change the way we transport energy, the way we make fuels, the way we make our fertilizer. Uh, we're really bringing down the cost and that's what it takes. Bring down the cost, talk to your politicians yes. and get this social movement. Do you find that like, I know, I believe there's a push in middle America right now where a bunch of states are getting together to kind of work on a, creating a whole grid system just for the electric cars alone. But are you a part of those talks with like the various states as far as introducing Alchemer and what you can do and provide to them? Like, how is that going? I am indeed, not in particular to uh, the electric car discussions, but there are hydrogen hub discussions in America. So there was recently an announcement about New Mexico creating a hydrogen hub. Uh, Texas is trying to create a hydrogen hub. There's a Northeast corridor with a hydrogen hub in plans. So absolutely in discussion uh, with those groups. See, I think this is going to be fascinating that eventually we are going to hit that day where no matter what form of transportation you have, you're going to be able to get anywhere if you have because I was on the phone with somebody the other day and they were actually trying to get to an appointment driving a hydrogen car and realized tried to stop and fill up and there wasn't any available at one of the few stations that they had you know so it's going to be fascinating when we get to this point where it doesn't matter what you're driving you can actually get where you need to go yep that's and that exciting is so aggravating uh, that the stations will end up not filled First of all, because those stations aren't even fueled by green hydrogen, right? It's yeah. almost always natural gas-derived hydrogen. Uh, so it's just, what is the excuse? The It doesn't matter if the wind or solar is not available. Why is that station empty? And so what's great about our technology is if you have it on site uh, with either connected to the grid or really connected to renewable power, 
you can design it such that 100% of the time you can be producing hydrogen, right? That's so crazy. Isn't that great though? There should never be a moment in which your station is empty. And are you finding that, because one thing that you mentioned earlier was, you know, growing up in Lebanon and traveling around the world, you were able to see the inequities. Are you working with other countries and other governments to try to do something with them to help build their systems up as well? Joel, why are you why are you calling me out like that? <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not saying we're doing it right now, but that could also be the long term goal. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yes. long term goal, absolutely. Uh, right now, we're really focused on scaling up our technology. So we do have the world's largest module based oh. on this anion exchange technology, and this module size is the key to the 67% reduction in capital costs that we should be able to achieve. So we're really focused on scaling that up to be a commercial unit. Um, but in the meantime, I am talking to some governments like those in the EU, groups in the EU. Um, Australia is so interested in hydrogen, Japan as well. Oh yeah. Lebanon will come next. I'll get to them. You'll get there. It wasn't a pressure question. It was just a fair question. <laughs> totally fair question. I appreciate it. <laughs> what about some of the, the the things that you're doing to try to spread the gospel uh, in environmental justice communities? I mean, the the message about hydrogen and alternative fuels is really not hitting some of the you know poor minority areas. Uh, you see very few with even electric cars, let alone uh, hydrogen cars. You know, how important is that uh, to what Alchemer is doing to, to spread the message that, you know, this form of, uh, of energy and or uh, transportations uh, related to it are, are actually viable? Yes. And it's such an important problem to solve of not ending up having just the upper class or middle class being able to access these green technologies. So what we're doing is forming relationships with local municipalities such that we can fuel their buses with green hydrogen. And those buses are the mode of transportation because it is a lot to ask for someone to go buy a brand new fuel cell vehicle or a brand new electric vehicle, right? So instead what you do is make public transport cleaner and more accessible. Oh, absolutely. That's a great um, we do have one question from a LinkedIn user um, and it's okay if you don't know this, what's your electrolyzer cost per kilowatt? So by at, at manufacturing scale, we will be less than $50 per kilowatt for the stack. Hopefully that answers their question and they're happy. They <laughs> that's are what we're they live. very happy. <laughs> they're going to be very happy because it's like a one-way conversation. It's like I can read their question, but I can't see if they're, you know, what their response is. Yeah, so, thank you for the question. Yeah, no, of course. And um, what, I mean, scaling up is huge. Public transport, we've talked about that repeatedly, how we need to improve our public transportation. And Joel's about to go off on that because that's his favorite topic. <laughs> well, no, I'm actually not going to go off on that because, well, I could, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I, one thing which I think is very interesting to, to just talk about is that it's not just about the end result of getting hydrogen out to the people. It's about the jobs that it creates. It's about yes. the lifestyle changes that we make. It's about, it's a, it's a full change of life. So like Joy brought up, you know, when you're talking about how it can impact 
some lower income neighborhoods and things like that, we can take possibly start getting rid of these mines and oil rigs that are taking over some of these neighborhoods and actually create a green environment for people to be in, which will give us the jobs to help start boosting people up and putting the infrastructure in place. So it's kind of like this. I'm a huge fan of everybody who's doing anything different and trying it right now to just build up the lifestyle and make things better for people. And so I think looking at this from a, from a full angle, yeah, I mean, whether it's the transportation of hydrogen, then you got the jobs to create the pipelines, you got the jobs for every single aspect along the Removal way. Removal of pollution. Yeah, it's, so it's, I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that we always face is how do you change and do that? That's hard because everybody's, yeah, it's a lot. Small steps. Yeah. You want to make it such that they have to do the least, put in the least amount of effort for that change, right? That that energy investment should be minimized. And so you really need to look at both the big picture and the smaller incremental changes, as you're saying, Joel. Absolutely. I recently learned about something terrible in India uh, where the companies will go in and you know, get coal. And then afterwards, the community people will go and dig around for any extra coal. And it's, it's heartbreaking, right, to go sell. It's so unhealthy. So yeah. if we could just transform that into a clean industry, it yeah. would impact so many lives. Here's okay. Sorry, I'm like asking all the questions today. Go for it. What are some of the biggest misconceptions or pushback that you're receiving when it comes to hydrogen? That's such a great question. Um, We have not received too much pushback, um, but we are fully aware that there is some misconception amongst uh, the public that hydrogen is unsafe, right? Um, And that's just not the case anymore, right? We have really made hydrogen storage tanks far more safer than your gas tanks in your car, right? We've been trying to educate people that hydrogen actually burns very quickly. So if there's a leak and it catches on fire, it's upwards flame done within seconds. Whereas if you have a gas fire, diesel, whatever else it is, that burn is going to last, right? And express. Yes. So I think the most important thing is for people to understand that hydrogen diffuses really quickly because it's a super light molecule. It always goes up and uh, burning happens instantaneously. And the Hindenburg was not due to the hydrogen. It was due to the material that that balloon was made of. Yep, that's absolutely correct. Um, that's a huge misconception when people think hydrogen, they think the Hindenburg's like, these are unrelated things. Yes. <laughs> Whoever this Hindenburg guy is, I need to have a conversation with him. If oh, I think do, that's going to be scary. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a follow-up question. So um, on your kilowatt per hour, thank you for that. It was helpful. What can we, from a developer's point of view, to help commercialization of your electrolyzer at utility scale. You seem to have someone interested. Excellent, yeah. Also a really good question. When Alchemer, our our motto is to partner as much as possible up the value chain and down the value chain to get everything deployed quickly. So as a utility developer working with us to plan out the plants, to help us with integration, infrastructure planning, all of that, right? Just email me. My email is lorene.meraway at alchemer.com. And we can definitely dive into details, but we 
are very open to partnerships and have already started forming them. It will take a village to make this happen and a very large village. I and love you, what you're doing. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> yeah. also, you also mentioned, you know, some of the industrial aspect, whether when it comes to concrete manufacturing, are you finding manufacturers are open to working with you directly? Specifically for steel. So I haven't delved into concrete yet. Uh, okay. But yes, green steel is definitely a thing. Uh, steel is one of those things where there aren't many alternatives to producing it with lower emissions. Yep. So yes, the manufacturers directly. The same thing that's, with that's oil and gas companies interested in working directly. Very cool. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people don't realize that construction has a pretty heavy carbon footprint, and that's actively being worked on. And this is one way to fix that. You you also work in concrete. You can help with the concrete production, steel production, building construction. Um, since we're running into our thirty minute mark. What is next for Alchemer? What, are, what is your next stage? I mean, you've talked about all these plans and it might be a redundant question, but just to leave people um, so they can hunt you down and I'll put all your links in the, in the uh, post. But what's your, what's your next, like, what's your dream plan for the next phase? Next, we will have a pilot demonstration uh, in August of next year, a 25 kilowatt pilot demonstration with you know, this largest module ever. So that's really exciting. After that, we're looking for additional pilot demonstrations for the following year, right? So de-risk, de-risk, de-risk until you get to commercial scale. Uh, and then we will be building our Giga factories by at least 2027. Wonderful. Uh, incredibly exciting and really rushed timeline, but we are on the right track and have been hitting all of our milestones. Of course, also growing our team uh, so if anyone's interested, apply on our website. Um, and yeah, always looking to speak to more potential customers and form more partnerships. That's amazing. Um, no, I love everything you guys are doing and scaling up the hydrogen, especially the low cost hydrogen. And it's green hydrogen, not pink, yes. which is the natural gas hydrogen uh, yes. or black hydrogen, which is coal, which no one should do that. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that the one thing I know that your motto is, you know, don't take sides. But if we're going to invest in hydrogen production, just make it green. That's yeah. where the world is going. I can guarantee almost all hydrogen in 2050 plus will be green hydrogen. So why make an investment today that won't last? Right. Exactly. We have to think that far in the future. And the technologies are, are evolving. What you guys are doing is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Because it's 20 years ago, yeah, and the fact you're not using any precious minerals, yeah. or metals rather, um, that's that's gigantic because that's pretty hard to do. And I won't ask for your secrets. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Nor will she tell them. <laughs> I'll just say thank you and stay quiet. Yes. Really? It's Did you say that you were working with like gas manufacturing companies and uh, and that kind of a thing as well? Oil and gas. Yes. Did you yes. See so that's so weird sounding. It is. I know it is. But, but they're all they're all adapting though. They all realize that. Yeah, but that's they what have to. Is that you think that this is kind of like competitors. There they go. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. No, no. It's it's uh all about perspective, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the utilities, having dealt with them a lot on the legislative level, they know where the where they're going, what's what's going on, where the world is going, and you know they're into the ropes. So they're trying to come, you know, work with companies such as Alchemer and others 
um, to get on the right side of uh, of the end of this history. So yeah, that's absolutely true because we can work much quicker, right, as a small company than these larger companies can. So it makes sense for them to want to partner with us. We do have one final question from Xavier. Do you design manufacture some reversible electrolyzers also? <laughs> we do not. So what Xavier is referring to are um, fuel cells, meaning hydrogen, oxygen goes in, out come as electrons, and fuel cells being the same unit as the electrolyzer. So now you're going reverse. You're taking the water and electrons you just produced from your fuel cells, sending it back to regenerate hydrogen and oxygen. Very uh, cool. We do not do that. Perhaps it's in uh, the distant future. It's a very exciting technology. Yeah. Just not our expertise yet. Well, I love the idea, though. Um, I like that she said yet. I like yes. that you ended it with that part. I caught that. I caught that. <laughs> we all caught that because it's like so many new things are coming. So I thank you. You guys, you guys are doing amazing things. Please, guys, look up Lorraine. Look up Alchemer. If you're looking for a job, apply. They're growing like crazy. I have a feeling you guys are going to be going compound, just doubling, doubling, doubling as you get bigger across the country, across the world. So thank you again. We will close out. Um, Joel and Joel, do you have Joel and Joy? Do you have any ending words? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> she summed it all up. And yeah. I'm just excited to see uh, where Alchemer goes and what portion or what part it plays in uh, Net 2050. You know, Absolutely. 2050. So I, I see big things happening. And uh, yeah. I'm excited to see uh, your participation in making it happen. Thank I you, will, Joy. I will just say, I think you're doing MIT proud. I'll say Oh, that. thank yeah. you. <laughs> Maybe he'll put my name on a building if you ask him. <laughs> I think that's a necessity at this point. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you, Joel and Joy, for having me and for this brilliant conversation. Thank Thanks you guys so, so much. This has been so that's much fun. Lot. And I'm, I'm looking forward to your future. This is thank you, Wendy. This is huge. Thank so, you so much. I appreciate thank you, it. Everyone. Have a wonderful day and we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.